Rowland. Today we have Jacob Turner on our show. Jacob is a former Marine, business owner, and Libertarian candidate for the 8th Congressional District in Missouri for the 2022 election. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, let's start right out. Can you tell us a little bit about your Marine Corps days and talk a little bit about being a business owner? Uh, yes. Uh, when I grew, when I got out of high school, I went directly into uh, the Marine Corps. Uh, we were due to a 9-11 and the incident that occurred while I was in high school. I was rather motivated uh, to join and serve. And I, I served uh, from 2005 into 2013. Um, and I served in many different facets of the Marine Corps. I was in MALS at first. Then I moved over to third low altitude air defense where I ended up training in security and deploying with them. Uh, I was on the Marine Corps mixed martial arts team for for a good bit. And then I served as a recruiter in my final term. And then when you got out, you decided to, to um, go into business ownership or how did how did you transition? Well, I first I'd went into the Postal Service, uh, like a lot of veterans, got a job at the post office. And I seen that there was more money on the contracting side and that you had opportunity to grow. There was no ceiling. Uh, with the Postal Service, like many jobs, you're kind of, uh, you can reach your max and then that's it, you know, and that's that's fine. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's nice, but I wanted to uh, have a career where I could continue to grow off of my efforts that I put in. That's why I moved over to contracting. And what are you currently doing besides running for Congress? You know, because I'm sure you're, you're, you're doing many other things. Right. Yeah. I'm a full-time student. I'm running for Congress. I work uh, 12 hours a week on an ambulance uh, in my community to help out because there's a shortage of EMS workers. And I run a full-time uh, company with the delivery contracts. Oh, wow. So you're pretty busy. I stay very busy. Seven days a week, I'm doing something. All right. Well, let's get right into you running for office. Um, why? What is the primary reason you decide to run? And then the second part of that question will be, how does your family feel about this? Okay. Well, I watched the inaction of the politicians that I used to look up to. I used to think that they had my best interest and the people's best interest of this country. Uh, people that I respected at the time, I was a, a former Republican, uh, grew up Republican in a Republican family. And I watched two years in the first Trump uh, term where they had full control and they did nothing to earn back our liberties and our freedoms that have been stripped away over time. And they were more of a roadblock to President Trump than anything. I watched the Republican Party really hold him back. I feel like he really wanted to do a lot, very supportive of Mr. Trump. Um, and I, I'm sad to see that. So that's why I made my choice to switch over. Uh, why I'm running for Congress is, is exactly that. I think we need politicians that have the best interest of the people at heart but are willing to take action and have a backbone. And how does your family feel about this? Are they, I mean, obviously they're supportive, but how, how is that working out? They are supportive. It's an adjustment. It's an adjustment period for, for all of us. Um, now we've experienced life uh, as military life and business. It's life as a full-time student. My life has always been very busy, uh, but there is an adjustment to people recognizing me out in public in our community wanting to talk. I, you know, when we go to the gas station or something, I get stopped. They want to know what, you know, what's going on and what, what, you know, and it's just an adjustment for them, but they're very supportive. They, they see how much it means to me to better our community and to help our district get on track. 
So you and I got into this conversation when, when I first met you over the phone, we were talking about doing this podcast and I was, uh, I was talking to you about, uh, some of the past podcasts I have done, the veterans and insurrection. And I was discussing, we were discussing how, um, 6 January didn't really help veterans out in general, as far as, uh, as far as gun control and, um, the second amendment. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you feel about the second amendment and how, and kind of the the road that we're going down right now? Well, veterans in general have always been demonized, uh, for PTSD, for mental health. It's funny. They need us, uh, to go off and fight wars for them. However, when we get back, we're turned into the big bad wolf. And uh, they, they go after us in any, any means possible. And I feel that the uh, Capitol uh, incident, I'll call it the Capitol incident, uh, it didn't do anything to help us. What it did is it gave them ammunition to come after us. And you see them throw the Libertarian Party in there uh, in the comments that they came out and stated that uh, a large group of Libertarians were involved and that we are we're part of the problem. So they're, they're lumping all the people who are freedom minded and liberty minded uh, in there with the veterans. And uh, a lot of veterans end up becoming libertarians. So it's just it's just like a chain reaction. So it's uh, it's a way to systematically go after all of us and eventually try to strip our rights and freedoms away. It's funny. It's they're, they're trying so hard to uh, go after the people that have earned these rights and and. and the ability to own a firearm. Uh, I don't consider what they do as actual service. Nothing's on the line for them. They're getting paid well. Uh, they're not really doing much for us. Um, so I don't think that they truly understand. For the ones that haven't gone off and had to spend time away from family or put it on the line in a combat zone, I don't think that they understand uh, true service. Why do you think uh, veterans do tend to lean toward the Libertarian Party? It's a great question. I would say we see what it's like when we go and we visit these other countries. We see what it's like for the people who live in those countries when they're restricted, when their rights and liberties have been taken away. So then we come home and we see that our politicians, the people that we're supposed to be trusting uh, to do the right thing, we see how they are ushering us towards those ways of life. Uh, and I think that it is just a natural progression. A lot of people's political views grow over time along with, the, you know, everybody grows over time and in, in, uh, just everyday life. So I think that political views just happen to follow along with that. And our party is about justice and the right thing. And it's about you doing what makes you happy as long as you don't hurt anyone, as long as you don't hurt anybody's property, as long as you don't hurt the environment. And when you see someone doing something that you don't like, mind your own business. That's pretty much it. If, you know, we don't get riled up over a gay couple that wants to get married, because if we don't want, if we don't like gay marriage, well, then don't get married to someone of the same sex. Let them do what makes them happy. Stay out of their business. And I feel like the world works better that way. I feel like a lot of veterans see that and they see that that's the answer that kind of eliminates the fighting. One of the main reasons that we have so much turmoil in our country at this time is we have two sides of the country trying to force their way of life onto the onto the other. It's you'll live by Democrat rule or you'll live by Republican rule. What we think is that you don't need rule 
over you. We believe that you should have the right to live your life, be happy, pursue happiness, uh, and just leave other people alone. Don't break the law. That's it. Um, I love that answer. Number one. Um, number two, I wanted to ask you about this, uh, because it was last night, my father and I, I'm, I'm in Ohio right now visiting my parents. Um, so we're Midwesterners as well. And my father looked at me last night and said, do you think they're going to come get our guns? <laughs> and I, um, I had to think about it a second, you know, and I looked at him and I said, no, I think that there'll be a revolution before that. And he looked at me and we looked at each other, but how did, how would you have answered that? If you were talking to a 75 year old man in Ohio that said, are they going to come for our guns? If we don't have that political revolution that I'm seeking, that my party is seeking, and we're pushing very hard. You see the things that I'm posting. We're trying very hard for the liberty movement to make its push. If we get leaders that are liberty minded, the answer is no, they will not come for our guns. If we keep going down the path that we are, eventually they will. And the sad thing is, is that once a law is put into place, Republicans will do nothing. And they've shown this throughout time. They will do nothing to remove that. So, for instance, if you want to go buy a uh, suppressor for your rifle because you would like to shoot and protect your hearing you have to put in a $200 tax stamp and you have to wait a year now this is silly right you have to wait a whole year because that makes you safer with this this suppressor I have hearing loss from the military so any which way I can protect my hearing I'm, I'm an avid shooter I like to go out to the range all the time uh, the suppressor is very efficient in protecting my what hearing I have left. So when they had complete rule, why didn't they take away those silly rules? Why didn't they strip away any of these things? See, but it's been it's been this way since the beginning. Once a once a rule's put in, they'll kind of say, well, you know, they'll complain about the the ones coming down the line, but they'll do nothing to fix the ones that get in, installed. That's where we are different. If you allow libertarians to come in, we will fight to strip away all of the all of the uh, laws that keep you from having the rights and freedoms that you should have. We'll strip all of those away. Interesting answer. So I do want to dig into the libertarian um, issue a little bit. Um, first off, how many libertarians are currently serving in Congress? We have Justin Amaj right now. OK, that's what I thought. And then I, that's what I thought. I thought there was one. And then but you had mentioned that you work with um, a group for is it? Um, uh, what is the group that you're part of, Ron, Ron Paul? Or right, right, yeah, the Mises Caucus, and okay. uh, I've been working with them as of recent. And we are a group. Uh, my my political uh, philosophy aligns perfectly with theirs. Their Ron Paul movement uh, started by Ron Paul, uh, or or by uh, by a guy who was working with Ron Paul on his uh, presidential run. And they're just like like-minded guys. Yeah. So what was, I'm sorry, what was the question? I'm not sure either, but uh, the real question here is realistically, can you win as a libertarian? In a district, it's a, it's a realistic possibility. Yeah, here it, it really is. Yeah, we're, we always vote 80% Republican, 20% Democrat. That is across the board. So a lot of times the big fear about voting for a libertarian is that you're going to split the vote and that the Republican will lose because there is a libertarian running. Well, here we don't have that problem. Even if I split the vote, Democrats are still significantly down by 20%. So it gives the people here of 8th District the ability to actually cast their vote for who they believe in. 
Okay, that's interesting. And then as far as um, the incumbent right now, uh, is Smith is his last name. What is his first name? Jason. Yeah, so I was like doing a little research on him. Um, and what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know, yeah, what are your thoughts on him as far? And how are you going to, um, how do you plan on beating him as far as like issues and as far as like the things that he has done? Like, how are you going to, how are you going to win? Well, I get out and I actually talk with the people who are having uh, complaints and issues within our district. There have been several cases where uh, a major issue has occurred within our district. They've reached out to his office uh, to help fix the fix the problem. And they've uh, Jason has ignored their calls. So or been told by his workers that they're not going to get back to them on this issue. So what I'm doing differently is actually going out into the community speaking with the people, his constituents, and I'm learning the real issues of our district. I live in this district. I was born and raised here. I work here in the community as EMS on my time that I'm not at work. I own my business in this district. I'm, I'm just like they are. I feel what they feel. I live here like they do. I understand them. So when I'm speaking to them, it's, the message is really clear because they see they, they have a desire to have someone in there who's actually fighting for them and not just trying to move up the, the government ladder. We have a thing with Jason Smith where he leaves mom and dad's house. He goes off to school and he spends uh, he goes to law school. He gets out of law school. He goes right into state government. He leaves state government. He goes right into federal government. We're talking about a man who's never even had a real job. He's, he doesn't know what it's like to live like the people down here. He's just, it's, it's a huge disconnect and they need someone who's like them to, to truly understand what this, what this district, what this district needs. That's how I'll beat him. I'll beat him because I'm more relatable to the people. I understand them and I will work hard to push their ideas and agenda. And I do think being a, uh, former Marine military, I do think that will help you, especially in the Midwest. I mean, we still very much love our military here. And I think that that will, that will aid you. Don't you think? I think so. I think that they see that twice I raised my hand and was willing to put my life in danger for this country. I was willing, when you raise your hand, you're saying that I'm willing to give my life to protect the constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I've done that twice. My mindset has never changed. My love of country and my heart is still the same, if not grown. I want to protect this nation. I want to protect our district. I think that they see that. I think being a veteran, that shines through. You have you put skin in the game. I agree. And I think being a veteran, like I said, still means something um, in this part of the country. And I wanted to ask you, going back to your district, because as you know, it's very important to know your constituents. And what would you say the top two biggest concerns are for them right now? Right now, I would say that economic issues is a major one because we, under Smith's rule, we have become more poor and we have less opportunities than when he got in office. For a man who claims to be uh, best friends with Trump and all this and Trump had the greatest economy of all time. Why wasn't any new businesses brought to our district? If you had President Trump's ear, why didn't you take the time to reach out to him to have some businesses pushed our way? Because we have the manpower to fill, 
fill the job requirements. That's what business owners look for. Do you have the manpower to fill? And do you have distribution lines that you can get your product out very quickly? This is something I understand as a businessman. This is something that he obviously doesn't. We are right between St. Louis and Memphis. I can get products out very quickly and utilizing the skills and the networking skills that I learned inside the recruiting uh, and recruiting duty in the Marine Corps. I will reach out to business owners all across the nation who are looking for a good place to settle. And I will try to bring jobs to our district. The second. And then, oh, yeah. I was just going to yeah, say the second one. <laughs> yeah. The second one, I would say that their biggest concern right now is probably voter uh, voter fraud. They want their vote to count. They want their vote to, they want their vote to count. And even right now, I've had people tell me, I want to vote for you, but how do I know that they, they won't just cheat? And not to cut you off, but that is a very good question. That is a huge concern in Ohio as well. And I think that's a huge concern across the country. So what do you say to that? Because that is a great, and I would actually like to know that too. What right, do you say to right. that? Well, this is what I will say. Right before the election, there was a bill that tried to pass that was going to offer more protection on the voting system. So what they were going to do is they were going to find better ways to make it more efficient. And Jason Smith of my district voted no. He voted no on this bill. The bill did not pass and the protections were not play, put in place. And you see what you see what occurred. I'm not saying that the that the election was stolen, but I'm saying that that it appears that that was the case to me. And uh, our congressman failed you as as the as the his constituents. Yeah, and I think your constituents and because not all constituents are, you know, up on what's happening in D.C. So I'm sure that that would be a powerful thing to bring to their attention. And I'm sure you have already, but it was something to keep in the back of your mind, because I would if that was me and I was voting, I would that would be a huge concern. Right. Right. And, and I will do everything possible to start uh, working to protect. I mean, there's a lot. There's a few things in legislation that I want to work on and protecting the voting systems is definitely one. Yeah, that's my next question. So when you get up to because, uh, yeah, so, uh, you're going to win and you're going to be in on the hill. Uh, so let's just move forward to that point. What uh, what are one what is one one or two of your top legislation legislative priorities once you get to the hill? The very first one that I would like to push through is it's kind of mimicking a bill that they pushed through in Arizona that I'm very fond of, but I feel that it should be on the federal level. So using that bill in Arizona as kind of framework, we're going to my team, we're already working on building something very solid so that when, by the time we get on the hill, we're already ready to go to put the bill up to get looked at. So what we'd like to push is that anybody involved in human trafficking, anybody who is involved in the making or owning of child pornography or anybody who is caught with obvious child molesting will receive life in prison without the possibility of parole. These monsters that hurt children, who traffic women, who traffic children, they don't deserve a second chance. These are monsters and they should be locked away for good. And I will go, if I will use my time in Congress to go after these people, they're not even people, they're below, they're, they're scum. I will use my time in Congress to go after the scum. And is that a, is that a huge issue in your state? Yeah, uh, it, it actually is. There's an issue all across our nation. This isn't just yeah. my state. It's 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 big everywhere. Uh, why why the congressman of our district voted no on on cracking down on human trafficking? I have no idea. Uh, however, 
protecting the children, protecting the people who can't protect themselves is very important to me. So I have two daughters. I look at them and I think, how could someone do something like that? How could someone uh, hurt something so precious and so innocent? I don't believe that you should have a harsher sentence for marijuana than you do for child molestation. This is just, this doesn't make sense. This is, this is crazy. So I will work to fix that. And then also I wanted to ask you, so when you do get to the hell, what is your game plan? Because like, as we know, you're a libertarian, so you won't necessarily have the Republican party support fully or the democratic part. Will you be able to like maneuver that in a way that will be beneficial to help you pass legislation or kind of what is the game plan um, behind that? Well, using the model of building coalitions on single issues. So for instance, I will never sacrifice my principles or what I stand for as a libertarian. And I will never sacrifice uh, anything on the behalf of the American people or the people of my district. I will protect them at all costs. But I feel that both parties have certain issues that align with us, that we can work single issue. We can build coalitions with them on those issues to help push our agenda forward. And how is that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please I'm, finish. Uh, I feel like I feel like that gives us the unique ability to actually get things done, because right now it's so tribalistic and they're so locked down that they don't want to work with anybody else but themselves, uh, their own party. And I feel like as a libertarian, it gives me the ability to say, look, I'm the adult in the room. I'm not I'm not going to fight with you guys. But I'm not going to get in your in your bickering match. But you have a good idea over here. You have a good idea. And I think that we should work together to get that idea through. And that one right there, that, you know, on the right, that one aligns with me too. And with my party as well. So we're going to get that one done. And I think that it allows us to be kind of the mediator to the madness. How is it going for uh, the libertarian from Michigan, Justin Amash? Am I saying it right? Amash? Justin Amash. um, How is his, I would not have time to take a look at him, but how is, how is he doing as far as like passing legislation? I don't really keep up with Justin very much uh, just because I'm so busy with my own uh, my own state, my own district. I'm very focused on what's going on here. So I haven't paid attention to what's going on with Justin. Yeah. And I needed I needed to take a better look at that as well, too. Um, And then the next question is, is uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about veteran and military legislation. Uh, we had, I, we had, you and I had talked about the Brandon Act as far as um, soldier suicide and things. I'll let you touch on that a little bit. Your thoughts on that bill, and then the subject in general. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that it is a good solution for the situation that we are in right now, and I'll and I'll kind of explain what I'm what I'm meaning there. So, for instance, no one should ever be held or no one, no medical information should be passed to a command if someone seeks help. And I've seen this in my own time. I've seen someone who was having trouble uh, in his marriage, started to feel depressed, was a very solid Marine, never had any issues. He goes and he seeks help. The commander gets, uh, he gets read word for word what this Marine has said. So he knows exactly what's going on. He takes offense to something in this writing because the kid was speaking open and honestly to a physician and he holds it against him. And now it changed the dynamic of this Marine's future. Other people in the command are scared to go seek help. And then I don't want to, you know, say that this is factually contributed, but we have suicides in the command. Well, were those people not seeking help because they were afraid their career was going to be over? 
Now, what was I saying when I say this is a good fix for the situation we are in right now? A lot of this could be avoided if we would stop getting into wars that we don't need to be in. If we could keep our nose out of, out of wars that we don't need to be in, this would keep our men and women more healthy because they're not seeing the, 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 the carnage, the things that take place overseas during time of war. Those really put the effect, you know, they really, uh, they really affect the human mind. So if we can stay uh, out, of, out of wars that are, I see as unjust and stop trying to work as an op- occupying force or a police uh, policing the world, I feel like that will do, do wonders for us, for our troops, for their mental health. I support the troops. I love the troops. I am a troop. So when I talk about being anti-war, sometimes that confuses people because they say, well, you don't stand with the troops. Oh, no, no. I 100% stand with my Marines. Uh, I just don't want to see them be utilized in an ineffective way. That's all. If it's a just war, I'll be first to uh, sign the dotted line to go back. So that's what I mean. Well, and to go back on what you were saying um, about medical records being given or presented to the commander, I remember because I was a company commander in uh, 10th Mountain. And I remember we would when a soldier would go to mental health, the commander would be required to physically go to mental health and have a meeting with the mental health professional about the soldier. And it goes back to what you were thinking at the time. You know, I just did. You know, you just kind of just do what you're told. And that's a thing like that has to be signed off by the commander. But but thinking about it now, like, yes, how that they what HIPAA violations with that, that I sat there and was told exactly what was wrong with my soldier. Um, And I and I do care what was wrong with my soldier. But that's not the point. It wasn't really my business to know those details. Well, he was they were fortunate that it was you listening, you know, in that situation because you cared. Even no, I'm not I'm not uh, disputing that it's wrong to violate HIPAA because I'm in medicine. Mm-hmm. I understand it very. What I'm saying is they got lucky that it was someone who actually cared what was going on. That could have been a total different story if it was someone who had no care in the world or had, wanted a reason to not like that person. And then, then it gets switched. So they were very fortunate that it was someone of a caring mind who was in your situation. But, yeah, you're right. HIP is a big thing and it should be protected inside the military as well. Mm-hmm. And just for so our listeners know, the Brandon Act, because um, I always like to put a plug in for the Brandon Act, it's going to be reintroduced here again in the next, I would say, a uh, couple of weeks. But the Brandon Act would allow a soldier to go to mental health um, with a simple code word, Brandon Act, and they would be able to seek mental health treatment without giving their command a reason. And the thinking behind that would be kind of what we were talking about, that there wouldn't be repercussions from the command. And we know that there's always going to be exceptions to this, you know, to this rule, but it would at least be a start that a soldier would be able to go get mental health care or a Marine and would not have to, to divulge. I'm having trouble with my family. I think my PTSD is getting out of control. I'm exhausted. You know, all of these things that um, that can cause anyone to go to mental health. Um and so the idea behind that would would be that soldiers suicide would be decreased because mental health care would be available. So there's a lot of things in the bill that aren't perfect, but I think it's a start. I agree. I agree. I liked I liked what I saw and I would support it. And then the other issue I wanted to talk to you about was um, it's kind of in the form of the I'm Vanessa Game bill, as well as the um, Military Improvement Act. But 
the, the basic concept behind it is taking out sexual assault, um, investigations, um, and then later prosecutions from, um, the command hands or from CID. What, what are your thoughts, uh, kind of on that situation? Cause you, you see it all over the news. Well, I think when someone comes forth with a claim, it needs to be taken seriously. I don't think we should just write it off. I think we, we should learn from that situation. that was terrible. Um, I hate that it's even occurring. It's kind of a black eye to our military services. If, if you ask me, the fact that they not only ignored the situation, but then they tried to go on business as usual uh, when things got really bad. Uh, and for anybody who's watching who isn't familiar, I would check out uh, the Carry On podcast that goes over that. It's very informative. So, uh, but yeah, I think that we need to take claims seriously and we need to do something. We need to take action. This is a problem in a lot of different uh, areas in life. We, we, hear a, we hear a complaint and we might understand it, but then we don't take actions to kind of safeguard what's going on in there. You have to be willing to move, move puzzle pieces or remove people from certain areas, uh, uh, not allowing them to, if there's a possibility that someone has sexually assaulted someone or sexually harassed someone at that time in, in, in service, we can't just drop them off into another unit and forget about them because then now we're just giving that offender a chance to repeat. We have to really lock down on them. We have to make sure. And I'm not saying that we have to automatically assume that they're guilty, but we need to be very vigilant in trying to decipher what is actually occurring to get to the, the root cause of the complaint. Yes, I agree. And I do agree with your point that we do have to be careful that we don't assume that everyone is guilty because we get on these like huge advocacy cases like you and I were talking about Corporal Teu earlier, and we do just want to assume that everyone's guilty. And we do have to be careful with that because can you imagine if that was like your son or your brother or your husband that was accused and they were innocent? Right. So right. that is a huge thing. But I do think having someone take a look at it from outside the command and the bills are diff are worded differently and how the process would be would be conducted. But I think like taking that look outside of the command would just be better for everyone, even even for the accused. Well, I think the commander would have probably approve as well. That's not something that as a as a CO, I would want to um, handle with having a, an expertise in my job field. I don't think that I have I would have the expertise in that issue to handle it effectively or properly. We need professionals to come in and fix that problem. I think that when we try to wear too many hats and that's very common in the military, we, we mm -hmm. wear several different hats that can become a problem uh, just because you're a professional in one thing doesn't mean you're professional in everything. So. I 100% agree with you. We know when there's a sexual assault there in your command, everything shuts down. Um, everything's focused on that as it should be, but the right. commander has other things to do like mission, you know, mission essential things. And to, to allow somebody, like you said, that is professionally qualified to deal with that is better for everybody, the commander, the victim, the alleged. So it is, you know, so yes, I totally agree with you. So I'm hoping to see one of those bills pass this year, but you know, those things take time. So. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that uh, everybody can come together bipartisan and, and get that done. And I wanted to ask you, do you happen to have your eye on any committees that you would be interested in being on if you were asked for your wish list? I think ways and means. Um, I think uh, foreign foreign relations. I think I could handle that. I think I would could do well on that committee just with my experience of working and living overseas. So, yeah, those would be good. Those would be good. 
I would like okay. to, I'd be, I would be interested in those. And then I, I had a podcast series a couple months ago with uh, uh, Jason Church and Wesley Hunt, and both of them were Republicans who ran last uh, last election season, and they both lost. Um, I will say they both ran very, very successful races, and they did not lose by much. Um, neither, either one of them. Uh, what, uh, Wesley Hunt is running again. Jason is not. Um, but my point being was that when we talked on those podcasts, there was always the issue that military candidate, and we were trying to figure out how we could get more veterans to run for office, but the issue always came back to, um, campaign funding right? and how veterans tend to be a little bit at a disadvantage. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you plan to hopefully overcome that? Well, campaign funding is something that is short here in eighth district for all parties due to the fact that our district, the meet the medium household income is $46,000. That's not good. So that's not good for anybody. That no. means that there are two people working in a household normally, and the household income is 46. So people are struggling here. People are having a hard time and they don't have the extra money to throw, throw at some politician who's asking or, Everybody's asking for money these days. So the problem is, and then you see people like the guy I'm running against, the the uh, incumbent, he accepts money from lobbyists, special interest groups, big donors. So he has $2 million in the bank. And this is something that you can Google and find out because it's public, it's public information. So he's not being funded by the people of this district. He's being funded with people who have an agenda. So that right there should raise alarms. I have self-funded. Most mostly self-funded. I have utilized the money that I've earned for my business to pay for my campaign. I have accepted donations, but from people of this district who were able to give and from people of the Libertarian Party. So it is a campaign funded by the people and for the people. I have turned away offers from certain groups that I, I knew they were going to want a favor if I did succeed. And that's something that my opponent, he just refuses to do. He'll take money from anybody. But I, I want to make it clear that if someone's taking money or giving you money, they want something in return. They want they want to get their money's worth. So when you see these politicians accepting these big checks, remember that because you're you're sending someone up to the hill that has something over their head. Who's going to come first? The guy who gave them a million dollars? or his constituents. It's going to be the person who bought them off. So it's a hard road. It's a hard road. It's expensive. And not everybody's fortunate like I am where I can, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed in business. So I'm able to self-fund a lot. So not everybody, not everybody's that fortunate. And I understand that, but working and networking with each other. And if we find avenues to gain, uh, I would say that it's very important for in the Libertarian Party, we have a military caucus. We have a veteran caucus where we can talk about uh, our military service and we can help spread ideas. And then the Mises caucus, we're all working together to raise funds because we realize that we want to earn money in a way or get money from the uh, take money from the people who believe in our ideas and want to see good done so that we don't have to do business with these other people. So that's that's really what it's about is networking and actually 
I wouldn't take, if I was a, if I was giving any advice, I would say, do not take money from special interest groups, from lobbyists. Although there is a, there is a good, there is a such thing as a positive lobby, like someone who's lobbying for a proper reason. Um, for the most part, you don't want to go to the Hill with, with something over your head. So okay, that's very interesting. If someone would like to donate to your campaign, uh, is there a place that you, uh, they can do this online or? Yeah, jacobturner.nationbuilder.com is my website. And on there, there is a donations tab. So if you if you do feel the, uh, the desire to donate, please do. I greatly appreciate it. We will also put that link up when we post the show. And then also, uh, could you give us your, your other social media uh, medium so that we can go on and like and follow you? Right. Jacob Turner. Uh, Jacob Turner for eighth district Congress is my Facebook page. And that's the, that's the uh, pretty much that. And the website is all we have going on right now. And it seems to be doing pretty well. The page is so uh, yeah. Follow me on Facebook. I, most people have Facebook these days for now until Facebook uh, bans us all. That's so, a whole nother conversation <laughs> we can have. <laughs> yeah. We could go an hour on that one, but I I'm greatly, yeah. yeah, I'm greatly appreciative for you having me on today and, and, uh, yeah, follow along. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, we will 100% support you at Carry On Podcast. So you have a you have a new fan and I will be supporting you. Um, I wanted to, and if you'd like to come back on again closer to the election, um, you're more than welcome. Um, I wanted to make sure that we allow you to have any last minute thoughts. If there's anything that you wanted to um, tell your constituents or um, out there before I let you go. Yeah, I would say this. I would say at this point, we have people who work on the river boats from our district who they can't make enough money here to, to provide for their families. So they have to travel off to the river boats to make money. But now these people on the river boats are being told that if you don't, if you don't accept or receive a COVID vaccine, an experimental drug, you're fired. So friends of mine in this district are being fired because of this COVID uh, vaccine, because they refuse to put an experimental drug in their body. I have family right now who can't go in an ultrasound appointment with their wives and experience that moment because they're refusing to take the card that shows that they got the COVID vaccine shots. This is all being allowed by our United States government. Our politicians that are in power right now, they are slowly stripping away our rights and our freedoms. And I talk about liberty a lot, but ladies and gentlemen, liberty is worth the fight. Never before have we been in a position to where if you wanted to get married, you were told that there was a limited amount of people who could be in the church to watch you get married. You were told that you can't go to church on Sunday by your government, your first amendment right, shut down. The ability, you lost your, uh, sadly, if you lost your parents during the time of COVID, you were told that you, your, your loved one will be buried when it's a proper time for the state and that you were given a limited amount of people who could be there at the funeral. So that means you're from a large family. Maybe your brother or your sister wasn't allowed to go and pay their respects to your, to your past loved one. We have to fight now because every day our liberties and our freedoms are being stripped away. There's no time like right now because if we wait, it's going to be too late. Our First Amendment will be gone. We won't be able to speak out or we'll be thrown in jail. Our Second Amendment will be gone, so we won't be able to fight back against the tyrannical government because believe me, ladies and gentlemen, it's coming. I'm not trying to fear monger. 
I'm not trying to pressure you into, uh, into my way of thinking, but what I'm trying or scare you into my way of thinking. But what I'm saying is right now is the time to fight back. And how we do that is we put good people, men and women of action who care for this country and want better for you and for your children. Now's the time. So stand with me, come with me on Facebook, like my website, and let's move forward together. Let's bring uh, freedom back to this country. Liberty is a special thing. It's a beautiful thing. Let's keep it. I love it. That was great. It makes me want to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> um, but but you are right, though. It, uh, they they are, uh, in a sense, taking our guns slowly. If you would they like, are. if we if we term it like that. So that was very well said. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they're 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 tightening the screw daily, and eventually, you know, it's never sacrifice your freedoms in the name of security. You know, and that's the thing is we we they say it's for our best interest, and it starts with something. As simple of, well, don't go to Walmart without a mask. And that's fine. I understand the whole mask concept. But when you start to form, uh, well, you'll be fired from your job if you refuse this vaccine. Well, now we have an issue. Now we have a real problem. Now we're starting to look at things called totalitarianism. And that that is a bad deal. That's a bad, we don't want to be we don't want to live in a country with that. We don't we don't need that. So I love the Constitution. And I love the Bill of Rights. And that is all we need to govern this nation. We have it in writing. It states what we can and cannot do. We just need to live. I got the document right here. We just need to uh, to respect that document, protect that document. And regardless of what um, Emperor Biden says, a constitutional <laughs> amendment, a constitutional amendment is absolute. Your um, your rights, your freedoms, your liberties, they are absolute. Do not sacrifice them, uh, re- regardless of what some uh, would be dictator or king on a hill says. So I think that's a perfect place to end it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You, this yeah. was great. Thank you for being here today. All right. Thanks for joining us today. If you are a veteran running for any type of office and would like to be on our show, please find us at Carry On Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or email me directly at podcastcarryon at gmail.com. I would love to have you as a guest. I want to make sure we support our veteran candidates. In the meantime, if you like our show, please subscribe at Apple or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Have an advocacy case, military or veteran related, and would like to gain exposure or just a show idea, please reach out to me. We will catch you next time. Thank you for joining us.